0: Greetings, friends and brethren in the Lord. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly, exceedingly great joy. Well, I'm recording here in Wheeling, West Virginia on WWVA 1170 AM, and I am happy to be with you today because today's message is Stand Strong. Father, I thank you for this listening audience. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to do a mighty work in their heart, to encourage them with great faith to stand strong in these last days, to stand strong as a Christian believer, and to know that they have the victory and that their enemy is defeated. So I bless them, and I thank you, Father, for helping me today to share this message in Jesus' name. Okay, stand strong. As Christian believers, most of us know that every day is a battle. And every day we're in a spiritual war with Satan and his cohorts. And this enemy, Satan, is an unrelenting, fierce enemy who is doing all he can to keep us defeated when all along he is the one defeated. The way Satan works is that he works on our thoughts. People often make funny statements about, oh, Satan did this to me and Satan did that to me. The only thing that Satan can truly do is work on your thoughts. Thoughts. And he can put thoughts in your mind by speaking in a voice that sounds like your own. You know, even at times, we can even repeat what he says about us as if it's the truth. It's the craziest thing. It, it's almost like it kind of reminds me of like being in the CIA and being an undercover person. You know, having a dual identity. This enemy, Satan, is real. We can't see him. But we know that he is real. Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, verses 8 through 9. And if you have your Bibles and you're going to follow with me today, I'm going to take us through several scriptures. I am in the New King James version of the Bible. Translation. 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 8 and 9. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. John 10.10 says the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy this enemy of ours satan and all of his cohorts all of his minions all of those uh, angels a third of them that fell out of heaven they work with him and this enemy is much more deadly Then ISIS, MS-13, the Taliban, you name them. This enemy Satan, yes, if he can physically take us out, he will. But he works on our thoughts, hoping it will produce an action. So if he can get us to think a certain way, then our actions will follow. Now, what is the sole intent of our enemy, Satan? It's pretty simple. It's to draw us from God, to draw us from our faith, and ultimately to forsake our belief in God and literally walk away from God. So he has an ulterior motive to absolutely break our relationship with God. Now, if ISIS or MS-13 or the Taliban killed us, big deal. We still have eternal life with God. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Not so with Satan. He wants us to forsake our relationship with God so that we will not have eternal life With him. Now, I know there are those of you who believe once saved, always saved. I know that's a very strong Baptist belief. But here's my question to you We have a will, we can choose to be saved, and we can choose to not be saved. And the Bible clearly talks about folks who were once saved. They actually labored for the gospel with Paul. See, Paul writes that Demas forsook him, having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. That tells us that Demas was working with Paul, laboring in the gospel, but came to a point, And Paul doesn't tell us all the particulars of that point, but came to a point where he just decided to not follow the gospel. In fact, Paul says he loved this present world more. All right, let's look at first. First Timothy. Chapter one. Verses 18 through 20, Paul writes, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck. Of whom are Hymenus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. We see here Paul is making it very clear that these two men, Hymenus and Alexander, they rejected their faith. They had faith, they had a good conscience. But then they rejected the faith that caused them to suffer shipwreck. And so Paul said, I delivered them to Satan. Now, what that actually means is they were excommunicated. They were excommunicated from the fellowship. Now, we don't know exactly if they truly left the faith, except we do have some information about Alexander. That Paul talks about in 2 Timothy 4.14. Now, we're making the assumption, but we're not absolutely sure this is the same Alexander. But Paul says in 2 Timothy, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him for his works. You, he's speaking to Timothy, You must also beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. So these two men, they were followers of Paul. They were believers. And something happened. Paul doesn't tell us what happened. He doesn't tell us the circumstances circumstances surrounding this situation, but somehow they suffered shipwreck because they began to reject their faith. And then Paul says that Alexander, the coppersmith, was greatly resisting their words. So something happened and caused him to flip. Now, we don't have proof from Paul's writings that these men ever came back to the Lord or if they totally forsook the Lord. But it sounds like they may have. Now, I'm not going to get dogmatic about the ones saved, always saved in regard to these particular men. But I personally know of people who accepted Christ and walked away After following him for some time. I know several people. The Bible is clear. That those who are weak in the faith. um, Paul tells us to receive one. Who is weak in the faith. But not to disputes over doubtful things. Paul's saying don't get into silly arguments with them if they have certain ideas about eating or holidays observed. These things are considered morally neutral issues. Not to get into a dispute about them. But recognize that I am not talking about people who are weak in the faith. And when Paul refers to people weak in the faith, he's actually saying that they are immature in their faith. They're immature. But I am talking about those who literally walk away from God. Maybe you know them. Maybe they're people in your congregation that you have known for some time. And they served the Lord and then one day turned around and walked away. That's why Peter writes Be sober. That word sober means clear-headed, self-controlled, sober. Be sober, Peter writes, and vigilant, on guard, awake, watchful, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. In reality, lions roar, to communicate first of all where they are so a pride of lions and that's what a group of lions is called if several of them wander away when they roar that indicates to the rest of the pride exactly where they are they also roar to show off how big they are and to warn others to stay away. There may be cubs. There may be, you know, a group that needs protection. And so that male lion will roar to warn others to stay away. Now think about this. The male lion, his roar is the loudest in the animal kingdom. And I think that's so interesting with regard to what Peter says about Satan. He says that he walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So the male lion's roar is the loudest animal in is the loudest voice in the animal kingdom. The devil has a voice that sounds often like a real lion because he tries to intimidate us as if he really was a lion. You see, the devil's voice can be so loud that it paralyzes us because we then begin to believe we are powerless to deal with him. But let me wake you up to a reality. We are not powerless. In fact, Jesus defeated him, and therefore we have victory over him. Let's listen to what First John John the Revelator writes in chapter 3 of 1 John, verse 8. He says, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Luke writes, in chapter 9, verse 1, then he, Jesus, it, he's referring to Jesus, then he, Jesus, called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Luke 10 chapter uh, I'm sorry Luke chapter 10 verse 19 Jesus says this behold I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you now some commentators write that serpents And scorpions are just symbols of spiritual enemies. I don't know about that. Because if that were so, why would Jesus say, and nothing shall by any means hurt you? We're going to talk about that in another session. But this is a scripture that we need to memorize We need to memorize it because it's so important in standing strong. When Jesus says, behold, he's saying, take notice, listen up. Hey, everybody, I have something very important to tell you. I give you, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you so our spiritual enemies these demonic forces we have power over all of them how do we combat this enemy of ours who roars like a lion and walks about seeking whom he may devour. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. This is a familiar set of scriptures to most of you, but it's worth repeating because this is how we combat our enemy. Paul writes to the church of Ephesus chapter 6 verse 14. Stand. Stand. Therefore. Now, it's interesting. Why would Paul write that word stand? Because you see, it's a picture. It's a symbolic picture that when we stand. See, we we haven't fallen over. We ha- we're not down. We're not down on the ground. We haven't be- been beaten over We're standing. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. We often don't even talk about much about that. But let's just go back to 14. And this message today isn't really about, you know, I'm not really getting into the thick of of all of this. I'm just saying that we gird our waist with the truth of the gospel. In other words, we put on that belt of truth. The truth is God's word. We already have righteousness. And it's like a breastplate. It's our armor. This is our armor. This is our protection. We shod our feet, you know, just like you would shod a horse and put, um, you know, horseshoes on a horse. We shod our feet. In other words, it's like we're, um, we're, we're putting a specific device on our feet called the gospel of peace. The preparation of the gospel of peace we put these specific shoes on you know horses have shoes so we shod our feet with the shoes of peace and then we take that shield of faith and we are able to quench every fiery dart that the wicked one sends so then the helmet of salvation goes on our head Hmm, I wonder why. Because the enemy comes at us with thoughts. Of course, we've got a sword. We've got a sword called the Word of God. And we can just speak back to him the Word. When he speaks a lie, we speak the truth. He speaks another lie, we speak back to him the truth. If you do not know God's Word... You'll never know if what he's saying to you is a lie or not. And if you don't know God's word and he does speak a lie to you, you won't have the word to speak back to him. Therefore, you have no sword. Verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, praying in tongues. Hello. What do you think that means? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the the spirit. When you pray in tongues, he has no clue what you're saying. Because your spirit is praying to God, who is a spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. So, there's this incredible perseverance to stand strong. To be absolutely Protected because we have that helmet of salvation on, we have peace on our feet, we have the belt of truth around our waist, we have the breastplate of righteousness on us, um, we've got that shield that will quench every dart that comes at us, and then we can wield the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So we want to stand, and that is an important picture to get in your mind, going to stand strong. Let's look at Ephesians 6, starting with verse 10 and 13. Paul writes, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Our strength obviously does not come from our own self. We don't have the power to do it in ourself, but we're strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might, not our might. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the trickeries, the deceitfulness of the devil. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Obviously, Paul is saying, again, it's a vertical position. Stand. We're going to stand. We're not going to sit. We're not going to lie down. We're going to stand. Having done all to stand. So we must stand strong. You see, the devil isn't just roaring these days. He is raging so much, so much so that we must stand strong. Obviously, we must first surrender to the Holy Spirit. Then we put on our armor and we arm ourselves with God's word and we walk in righteousness. One of the greatest weapons, I have said this many times, righteousness is one of the many weapons. And it's one of the greatest weapons against our enemy. So I want you to stand strong. I want you to hold your position. Because God actually sees us at the end of the fight. He sees us standing I want you to say this with me. Say this I will stand and conquer all my enemies. My foot is on the enemy. It's important to voice, to have a voice, and to voice these things. Because when you say them over and over, they kind of get in you and you start to really believe that you have power and authority over all the works of the enemy. So when you say, I will stand and conquer all my enemies, my foot is on the enemy. Next week, we're going to conclude this Standing Strong, and I'm going to share some stories, but I'm going to continue to share Scripture because, you know, Scripture is power, and that's where our power lies in God's Scripture. So think about this this week. Think about Standing Strong against this enemy who roars like a lion and walks about seeking whom he may devour. Don't let him devour you this week. You stand strong. You stand. Therefore, gird your waist with truth, put on your breastplate of righteousness, shod your feet with peace, take your shield of faith, quench every fiery dart that he sends your way. Making sure that you have that helmet of salvation on and that you've got that sword of the spirit, God's word and wielding it and praying always in the spirit in tongues being watchful to the end with perseverance Perseverance. see he's un- I told you in the beginning he was an unrelenting enemy well we have to be unrelenting in our stand and we shall be victorious amen well this is Don Noble Uh, you can go to www.pureheart.today and you can listen to this podcast again. Uh, and I look forward to being with you next week. I really do. And I want you to stand strong this week. Okay. So Shalom, Shalom. Peace be unto you.